Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, on this episode, we are going to challenge the old issue of imposter syndrome. Now, we've all had it, we all get it, we all kind of don't know how we got here. And actually, we don't know whether we should be here. It's something that comes up so often in entrepreneurial circles, in business networking events, and actually in our own minds when we're sat there thinking about what we're actually doing tomorrow. And this episode actually tackles this problem from a very interesting perspective. It's from the perspective of transparency, how we can be transparent with others to empower them to get over their own imposter syndrome and how we can learn from that ourselves. And with me on this episode is a fantastic guest, fantastic guest from the Room to Dance studio and messy warrior, April McLean. Welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. It's a real, real pleasure. And one of the things we were talking about in the pre-interview chat, April, is that your biography, your journey to where you are now is so fascinating. So before we actually dig into the topic of the episode, I'd just like to paint a picture of April McLean. Where did you come from and what, what is your journey? Um, first of all, I love that because of your regional dialect, you actually pronounce my last name correctly. That is such a score for me. So <laughs> thank you. Anytime. Um, <laughs> I, I was born in uh, Southern California, actually, and uh, to a single mother and lived all over the place, including, you know, as we were talking about England and Los Angeles and all over the place. And uh, when she when we came back from England and I was about eight years old, she actually met a man who she ended up marrying and who ended up being um, unfortunately a very abusive person. So I spent about six years in a home that was um, filled with daily uh, sexual and emotional abuse. And I went into foster care when I was about 14 years old. My time in foster care was uh, insane. It was only three years, but in those three years, I moved through over 22 homes. I got pregnant when I was 15. Um, I emancipated when I was 17, but without a, a real place to stay. You slept in my car, a motel, whatever. So it, it, it was definitely a, a, a journey, isn't a lovely way to put it. Um, I fell in love with dance on accident. I actually wanted to be uh, an attorney. So the plan was to go to law school and work in family law. And I needed to get a PE requirement out of the way. So I took a community college, like intro to jazz class. And that was it from day one, I was sold. I got my degree in dance. I opened a studio. And when I opened the studio, I did not realize at the time how powerful that was going to be for me. It was, it was kind of for shallow reasons. I just opened because here where I live in Riverside, California, there's no uh, dance studios that are just for adults. They're all uh, kid oriented. And so I just wanted to give adults a place to dance. And it took me about a year, a year and a half to start seeing that what dance had done was provided an extraordinary amount of therapy that I wasn't able to get elsewhere and that I was watching other people go through that same process. And it became more and more evident as they would start to trust 
me and I have a, a partner, they would come into our office and, and cry and share their stories. And there was so much release going on. So it was a really, really powerful moment when I realized that I was providing a space for other people to sort of receive the same uh, benefits that I had received, if that makes sense. Wow. What what an amazing journey. I mean, that that is real, you know, grit and determination and pushing forward and kind of, you know, never really giving up. And that that is a really interesting perspective. When we talk about imposter syndrome, you know, it's something that we all kind of get, I guess we get it at times, but that, that imposter syndrome from your perspective is really born from that journey, I guess. Is it something that you've actually, you know, the word suffer is quite a harsh word for imposter syndrome, but is it something that you've found yourself suffering with feeling, you know, how have I got here? What am I doing here? <laughs> um, it's, it's such a complicated layered issue because yeah, absolutely. When you, especially as a young girl, when your first concept of, of love, especially in a, I guess, a relational opposite sex, or I, I can't quite find the word for it, but when it's based on perversion, you really struggle with self-worth and understanding how the world works and feeling like your worth as a, as a woman is based on all the wrong things. And so I think that that's just one nuance is, is coming to grips with feeling valuable and feeling affirmed and feeling like I do have the right to, to speak or to, um, you know, pursue life fully. And then on the flip side of that, it almost works against me at times because I know that there have been people that hear my story and their response to it is like, wow, that's, that's so amazing. I can't believe that, you know, you're, you're so inspiring. And that kind of makes me a little bit uncomfortable too, because then I want to say, okay, yes, um, I did overcome some obstacles, but let's talk about the fact that I'm still not a superhero. Like let's, let's please not put me in that category either because I'm still just as much of a mess as the next person. I think that that is that final statement there. I'm just as much of a mess as the next person. That, that is something that we mentioned in the pre-interview chat. And that's kind of where the transparency comes in. It's something that we're going to move on to in a sec, isn't it? The idea that, look, you know, I'm not perfect. And you may see me from the outside as this superhero and the person that's so inspirational, but actually on the inside, I'm kind of just as frail as you are in whatever respect you believe that I'm not that frail in. You know, we've all got these different layers and, you know, the false confidence that we sometimes have, this kind of bravado that we sometimes have, especially in business where at times you can be in there trying to close a deal or you're working on something so high pressured that you just, you have to have that bravado. And I mean, the toll that that can take on you personally and professionally, it can be huge, can't it? You can really let yeah. things get on top of you. Yeah, absolutely. That's totally true. Such an interesting topic. And let's just dig into that for a second then. So imposter syndrome, is it something that you have come across not only with yourself, but do you actually see this in other people? Have you discussed this with other people? Have people come to you, you know, kind of seeking, I wouldn't say advice, but certainly where you've spotted the symptoms of that imposter syndrome before? Oh yeah, totally. So, um, the, the messy warrior, brand, for lack of a better word, was born out of my interactions with people here in the studio. Um, as people would learn a little bit about me or there would be mutual trust and I would share a little bit about my story, uh, I was I was very encouraged by 
almost anybody that I would speak to, to keep, to keep talking about it. You know, it's really powerful. You should keep talking about that. There's people that need to hear that story. And so I started blogging and every, I wrote a book and every Monday I would release a chapter of that book. And the response was just, I mean, the things that people confide in me, first of all, it's just such an honor that people would choose to confide things that are so sensitive, but that was the consistent message that I was receiving is that people were struggling with self-worth and it was people that you would never guess that people that marched through the studio, they look like they have it all together, you know, aesthetic, oh, they're beautiful, they're thin, they make this kind of money, they have this kind of confidence, but they just totally were not. And so um, I started engaging with them more and more and sort of building a, a tribe of people that I could really speak very frankly to in an effort to try to continue to break down those walls. So on my website, on my blog, I, I really try to get raw about the things that I'm going through. And sometimes it just scares the bejesus out of me, but, I, but it's a mission. And the one question that I asked was, what do you struggle with? What is the one thing that you struggle with the most? And 99.9% of the answers were fear, fear of success, fear of failure, fear that nobody actually wants to know what I have to say or that nobody will um, find me credible. So I think it's, it's one of the most universal concepts that nobody talks about. That's quite curious, actually. And one thing I just want to pick up on there is this fear of success because... Yes. Wow. You know, who, yes. who would... I mean, really, people won't necessarily admit to that unless they really, really, really trust you. And they're so comfortable that they can admit that because that that's almost an admission that there's a chink in the armor, isn't it? Let's explore that a second. So what form does that take? What kind of what kind of symptom does that bring with it? What do people do to react to this fear of success and what, you know, how does it manifest itself? Well, I can definitely make this answer personal because I, that's something that I've always struggled with is fear of success. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, there's that, I think it's a, I think it's Marion Williamson. You remember that quote, our greatest fear is, what is that? Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's, it's a very long quote. It's very beautiful, but I've always been extremely struck by that in the sense of, um, how scary it is to say, who am I to do something like that? Because with success comes attention and with attention comes expectation and criticism. And so I think a lot of times for myself, I was scared of that success because now people are watching and now they're expecting something of me. And what if I cannot deliver that something? And then on a much more like guttural level, if I started succeeding at things, I would really have to confront the inner voice that says that you're not worthwhile because I'm succeeding, which means I'm doing something worthwhile. So now how am I going to reconcile those two things to each other? That is something that I can relate to definitely. I mean, mm. when I consider some of the products and the services that we're putting out or we do put out or the businesses that we've created, I've had countless sleepless nights with the old, mm -hmm. the old, you know, theory in my head of one day someone's going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the, the idea there about opening yourself up to criticism. And it's something that anyone that puts their own theories and their own personality out online, like you have with Messy Warrior, like we're doing right now with this podcast. I mean, wow, you get so much positivity, but you know, the one person that is negative Mm -hmm. is the only person that you listen to. Yes. And it's, 
isn't it so crazy that we do that as a, as a, as a species? It's so sad. And I would love to say with so much serenity and peace in my voice that I've learned to overcome that, but that would be a total crock because it is, it's completely true is you can have a day full of excellence and that one person makes the remark and that's kind of all that sits in your head. Um, and I heard a quote, I have a quote, actually it's up in my office. It says, uh, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world somebody does not like peaches. And I, I use that as a reminder, like you, you will never please everybody. It's absolutely impossible. So why don't you try to find the people that really do want to hear from you and just focus on them? And that's, that's quite curious as well. It's one of the things that I find is exacerbated so, so much by this open, and we're talking transparency, you know, by the kind of transparency that you can't avoid thanks to social networks and thanks to instant feedback via the internet. You know, where previously imposter, sen- excuse me, imposter syndrome was kind of localized. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. you're putting yourself out there so much more and becoming so much more exposed. So surely everything's amplified, you know, when you're putting something out that anyone theoretically in the world can get to. It just must amplify those feelings of fear and, and, and kind of anxiety. Is that, is that something that you find when you put yourself out there as Messy Warrior? Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's completely true. And I think that we can use, you know, the world is more visible than ever. It's funny to look on my Facebook and see friends that live in India and Thailand. And here I have an open window into their world. That's just so bizarre. And we've gotten so used to it, but you can use this for or against. And I think unfortunately, and I don't, no judgment involved because it's totally human nature, but people put their best selves on social media. You know, the, the best selfies and the happiest moments and life, unless you're one of those, um, you know, insufferables who like to air your dirty laundry. Most people are just putting their, their best foot forward on social media, which, and, and I, and I see, like, I'll see people posting about their relationships and I know them very personally and know that everything's awful. But what is online is rainbows and unicorns. And so that definitely lends itself to people feeling even more like they have to kind of keep up with this particular image. But at the same time, like like what you're doing, with, like what I'm doing, you can also use those outlets to... Um, call attention to the fact that you do still experience a certain amount of, of brokenness. Um, I just think that the people that are willing to do that are very few and far between. It, it very much is keeping up with the Joneses sometimes. And actually when you see that in business, you know, there are some people that when you think about their businesses, you know that they're not actually delivering what the customers want, but the way they brand themselves and market themselves online, if you are one of their competitors, you'd be forgiven for thinking that they're a fantastic company and that they're doing everything right. And actually, if you do have this, I guess, this kind of ingrained fear or even just this niggling doubt that actually you don't deserve to be doing well, seeing what's over the fence and looking over the fence at what competitors profess to be doing, that can be so destructive, can't it? You can focus on all of the wrong things and actually not not look at what you're strong at, but just look at keeping up with them. Is that... Again, is that something that you think is sort of, I guess it's becoming more and more prevalent because of this social network culture that we're in? Yeah, I think so. And 
That is definitely one aspect of things that I'm, I've very much turned off. You know, there's a lot of things that I struggle deeply with. This is one of the things I've learned to deal with because, uh, you know, I have two companies. I have the online brand and the brick and mortar. And as far as the studio goes, I genuinely pay no attention to other competitors, quote unquote, because I'm, I'm very confident that what we're doing here um, can only be done by us. That's not to say it's better, but it's different. Uh, nobody is me. And so nobody is going to connect with people the same way that I do. So I, I tend to not look at that stuff. And then I'm blessed in the area that I'm in online that competitors are really just other um, women who are attacking these same issues. So it feels more supportive than, um, than it is against. But what I think happens with companies that do spend a lot of time, there was, let me, okay, here we go. There was a studio I remember that used to watch us like a hawk. And the reason I know that is because every time we would do something, any type of particular promotion, they would do the same thing a few weeks later, almost to the T, the branding, the slogans, all of it. And it was getting really, really frustrating for me. Um, but they are now closed. And what I think happens is when business start to look at and, and stalk and follow and obsess over, oh, look how well this company's doing. I need to be like that company. I need to keep up. They start to lose the authenticity that makes them unique because you've, you don't know you, what is it about you uniquely that is going to make your business thrive? Like what's your story to tell? You're now telling someone else's story and that doesn't have any long lasting effect, I think. And what I like about that is that you're absolutely right, because that pulls back into this whole imposter syndrome. You're actually, when you think about imposter syndrome and the way that at times we all feel as if we're kind of, we're faking a living, you know, we, we don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve to be on a podcast. You know, there are thousands of people out there that are better at this than we are. When you start to think about what competitors are doing and then compound that with your own kind of niggling fear, that's when imposter syndrome becomes something to worry about and it's something that takes over but actually if you as you just so rightly said then you know no one can do this like me no one can talk in my voice no one can walk in my shoes then actually the imposter syndrome angle becomes so much less of a problem because you're so much more content with yourself aren't you it's something that we can all learn from by just looking a little bit more inwardly at times mm -hmm. yes absolutely yeah and i and it's you know, I think that entrepreneurs need to celebrate themselves a little bit more than they do because a lot of it is rooted in that fear of failure slash fear of success. But I know for myself, I wanted to start about a million businesses before I finally did it. I have half written business plans and notebooks full of ideas that never came into fruition. And for a long time, I used to beat myself up over that. Um, <clears throat> but anybody who actually takes that step that opens that business that has that grand opening or that puts that third first podcast on iTunes has already proved themselves head and shoulders above the majority of people who will never actually take that step. So there should be just a celebration of already your strength and perseverance instead of focusing on the things that make you that deplete you of your energy, I should say. I love that. Definitely. Just take that first step. And as you say, that puts you above 80% of people that just actually will never do that. And I think that's so, so important. I've got, you know, a friend and actually got a few friends that have kind of in positions where they're not really happy with the careers and they've got so many ideas and so much talent, but it's taking the first step and opening themselves up 
to that criticism that they're fearing. And right. you, you do sometimes all the notebooks in the world are fantastic, but you've just got to do it, haven't you? Yes. And it's, you know, for a while, I did business coaching for a little while and it didn't, it proved to be not my favorite thing to do. Um, but it was just, it, it always struck me as a little bit funny that people would get so excited about, okay, so, you know, tell me when you're in that initial consultation, tell me about your business, tell me about your plans, tell me about what you've done. And it's like, well, I have this website and, um, I, I made these business cards and, and it's, they're doing all of these things that are like, okay, that's the easy stuff. You know, where, where, where are you going to throw in? You can have notebooks, you can plan until the cows come home, but when are you going to actually put your stuff out there for people to see? That's, that's when, you know, you separate the men from the boys, I think. Entirely agree with that. I mean, it's, we've seen it so many times, so many times going through the studio, you know, thousands and thousands of business cards and flyers and brochures mm. that actually don't ever get put out there because it's this fake activity it's the activity that makes it feel like business but it's not actually going out there and just saying look guys this is what i sell this is what i do would you like to mm -hmm. be a part of this and that's what we all need to do is just dive in there and speaking of diving into things we are actually coming to the point of the show where we dive in to the actionable tips now okay april i know you've put together three actionable tips for people who are perhaps struggling with imposter syndrome or perhaps mm -hmm. have people around them struggling with imposter syndrome and rooted in this conversation, this transparency and the personality of each individual. I know you've put together three actionable tips for the guys listening out there. So let's dig into those, please. What's your first tip? Okay. So my first tip is going to be a little bit more based on the uh, psychological, emotional component, because obviously that's where imposter syndrome is going to be rooted. And I think that it's a combination of two things. It's very simplistic. Hopefully everybody's done it. But if you have not, you absolutely in writing need to start with why. Um, Simon Sinek wrote that great book, Start With Why. If you are not crystal clear on why it is that you are doing what you are doing, then there's nothing there's not a lot of hope that when those obstacles hit, when that self-sabotage hits, you're not going to have a reason to push through that. You need to take pen to paper and understand what it is that you're really offering to the world that makes you excited to get up in the morning. And then on top of that, um, be able to articulate it with clear confidence and your head held high. So I would say the first thing that happens if, is if anybody is struggling with do I really want to do this? Is it really worthwhile? Make it not about you because it should not be about you. Uh, one of the things I struggled with when I was writing my book deeply, deeply is that I felt like, who cares? Like, who wants to read this? This is so boring. Who cares? And um, one of my best friends said, you know, that's, that's fake humility. When you say, who cares about this? It may sound like it's, it's humble. It's, you know, it's just doubting yourself, but it's, she said it's fake humility because it's taking your eyes off of who you're trying to serve. So that would be my first takeaway is figure out why and who you're trying to serve and make it about them and not about you. 
Um, do I just keep going with them? Yeah, of course. Plow uh-huh. on. Okay. You sounded like you were on a roll then. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> I don't want to start <laughs> spitting and sweating and <laughs> preaching. Uh, <laughs> the, the second thing is, is for focus sake, because I think that focus is an incredibly um, powerful tool. And so on a much more pragmatic level, I would really love it if people would read the book entitled The One Thing. Have you read this book? I have indeed. What a fantastic book. When I started oh the podcast- gosh dived into it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, uh, it's, it's available audio, it's available in writing, whatever, but the one thing really did alter my perspective on what it really means to focus. And so now, and it totally brainwashes you because now when people around me use the term multitask, I like cringe a little bit, you know, it's just, no, that's not real. Um, but I think that along with Um, finding your true purpose and finding your real voice and and sort of softening this syndrome that we're experiencing is that our, our focus has to be such that we are um, dedicating ourselves to the work that only we can do to the work that matters the most to has that has the most impact because that lends itself to feeling more confident when you're sort of putting out fires all day and, and, and not really getting a dent in anywhere and you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. It is very easy to start doubting yourself because you're not seeing any momentum in the right direction. So I would say the second thing is the one thing, read it. It will totally alter your view on how you manage your time. And then the third thing is, um, personally educating yourself on personality styles, which is, sounds really cheesy and cliche, but I've never, there's nothing that I can recommend that's more important than this, especially if you have a team. So for our studio, we have staff of about, I don't know, about 30, I think we have on staff here. Um, we have them, all of my girls take a personality test. Um, the test that we use is called wired that way. I've, I've probably looked into about 16 or 17 tests and that was by far the most accurate one. And I use those tests to understand how they work, how they need to be communicated with, how they need to be motivated, um, and how I can relate to them. And even if you're a team of one, no, like I know for myself that, you know, based on what test you take, I am, a a high D or a choleric personality. So, um, I, I'm very leadership oriented, very goal oriented, but that means I'm also overly blunt and very, very impatient. And if I know that about myself, that when I'm approaching somebody, I can temper myself and say, you know, you're going to have this tendency. So what are you going to say now to drop that wall and make communication better? Um, the reason I think that personality styles and understanding is so important is because the only way to really start making a dent in this whole imposter syndrome thing is to start having real conversations with people. You have to be able to say, I screwed up. If you can't tell your team, I screwed up, there's a serious issue there because you're a human being and they need to see that you're a human being. So communication and creating that like company culture of, hey, we're allowed to make mistakes here will help everybody not only feel more uncomfortable, engaged, but honest and creativity won't be stifled by fear of consequence. That is huge. I love the idea of the personality test. It's something that I've been looking into actually for the team at DMSQD and just going through that because as things grow and grow and grow, if you just keep your head in the sand and go about how you've always done things when you're a one person or a two person outfit, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you'll just never progress. And the the personality tests are fantastic because Mm -hmm. it gets you, it stops you looking inward and stops, stops yourself kind of compounding that imposter syndrome up and up and up. And, you know, when you become, when you stop becoming the producer and start becoming the manager or the leader or the developer right. of the business, 
you've got to look more outward. And the more you look inward, the more you're going to feel like this imposter that shouldn't be there. So that, I think that's massively powerful. Thank you so much. They're really fantastic tips. Oh, thank you very much. And just before we close the show, that is such a good episode, guys. You should uh, you should really <laughs> take that to heart because imposter syndrome is something that we all we all do come across probably more than we'd like to admit. And you mm-hmm. know, I certainly attest to, to me being privy to it as well. I've I've suffered that myself in the past and actually still do. So, April, thank you so much. Just tell the guys listening where they can find you online, please. Yeah, absolutely. They just uh, can go to messywarrior.com and there I am front and center. Perfect. Check it out, guys. Thank you so much to April and to you guys as ever for joining me. The show notes and everything, everything that I've discussed today with April will be available at excellence-expected.com. And don't forget, whilst you're over there, you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. Until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Bye-bye.